Welcome to the Classic Rock and Metal Archive Show. Brought to you by the web's favorite classic rock and metal podcast. Vintage interviews and recordings from classic rock and metal bands you know and love. Forget the now. Have some then. Hello again and welcome to another classic rock and metal archive show. The Archive Shows are a companion to our regular monthly classic rock and metal podcast, which brings you brand new and exclusive interviews with bands from the 70s and 80s, most of whom are still making great music today. The whole library of shows is always available on our main website at classicrockpodcast.com. This week we go back to raiding the interviews of Chris Tetley, who was a DJ on Manchester's Piccadilly Radio back in the 80s and interviewed pretty much every heavy rock and metal band that passed through during that decade. Here in a classic time capsule chat, he caught up with Axel and Slash from Guns N' Roses when they were over here in the UK for their very first touring shows, the three they played at the Marquee in London in June of 1987. This is just prior to the release of their debut album Appetite for Destruction and gives a fascinating look at how this now legendary band were when they were just starting out. Do you know, the reaction to Guns N' Roses' album Appetite for Destruction has been really quite amazing. I don't know what it is, but in America anything seems to go. Whilst we in England seem to be really struggling just to get one band recognised, in the States it doesn't really seem to matter what style of music you go for, it somehow works. Now, things have really happened for the Beastie Boys and Run DMC with their type of rapping music. Things are also working for the likes of Cinderella, Tesla and Poison. I suppose that's mainly due to the likes of Motley Crue and Rat and, of course, former kiss and the flash theme seems to have really gone off with an almighty bang as well i mean just look at metallica look at slayer overkill agent steel and nuclear assault i suppose for that matter as well and also of course heavy metal rock is still thriving and look at malice look at metal church and crimson glory and now the aerosmith type boogie if you'll pardon the expression a la blackfoot doc holiday and skinnard have been brought forward into the 1980s via the la guns and faster pussycat and probably the most successful so far, uh, the band Guns N' Roses. Now, I don't know whether all these emergencies have uh, been due to the press hype or what. I really haven't a clue. Maybe it's television, maybe it's MTV, I don't know. But I know one thing's for certain. Since I started featuring the Guns N' Roses album on my show in Manchester, the album was proven to be one of the best-selling units so far in 1987. And what really turned me on to the band, I suppose, was meeting up with the boys that was Slash and Axel down in London earlier this year. And I think you'll agree that they're certainly characters. So let's wind the tape back and let the boys themselves illustrate exactly what makes Guns N' Roses tick. How did the band come together? Just on the club scene in L.A., um, word of mouth and stuff like that. Hanging just... out, ads and everything, but, um, you know, we all went through various bands back and forth. And uh, we kept ending up around each other because we all play, we all like and play what we want to do and we all have the same goals and there's a lot of people that aren't, you know, necessarily goal oriented. They just want to be stars, you know. We we basically honed in on each other. Yeah. Yeah. So you all come from different parts of America. Where do you come from, Slash? I was born in London. Oh, you, yeah? Yeah, I lived up up north 
for 10 or 11 years. Whereabouts? Whereabouts? Still come to that, not yeah. too far away from Manchester then. No, no, not <laughs> just a little ways up the road actually. That's yeah. right, yes, yeah. Whereabouts do you come from actually? I'm from the Midwest, from Indiana. Yeah? And what about the other boys in the band? Um, Izzy, the other guitar player, him and I uh, grew up and had garage bands in Indiana and both moved to California. Um, Steve originally came from Cleveland like he was born there and then moved and lived in California like all his life. Duff comes from Seattle and was in a lot of punk bands up there. Bands like the uh, Ten Minute Warning, the Farts and other things like that He's and the put most, out a lot of records. The most recent Hollywood stalwart. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, it must have been a really big struggle because when you first started, right, when Guns N' Roses first started, there must have been loads and loads of bands on the LA scene and you've got to make your sort of impact. Well, How when, I, when yeah. I first got to, you know, LA, so to speak, because I was in other parts of California, when I first got to LA, you know, Motley Crue was just getting signed. And, uh, you know, there was Wasp, there was Rat, there was Dokken, Great White, all those bands, you know, and, and then, it kind of died, you know, after those bands left, and it was dead for a long time, and it was just a lot of heavy metal bands that weren't really, they were kind of like copy heavy metal bands, kind of fake, what's it, fake metal? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a few good things happening, but not much, and then, you know, we started working on our project in different bands and just kept, you know, working on it the whole time until finally, you know, we got it down. Where did you get your style? Kind of set up from? our own program. Yeah. How did you get your style? Because it, it's everything a combination. We, everything we listen to, we, everything we listen to, we're influenced by, and that's all. And we just try to, you know, do. We try to play a song that we want to hear. Huh? We try to play our own favorite material. It's a conglomeration <laughs> of, of the five of us and our individual influences, and then the same sim the similarities that we all have. That's what put us. That's what made us all get together in the first place. Right. You're we were the only five guys to end up together to make this band. You know, which is when you look at how many people there are in LA and how many bands there are, that's a statement. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, we we got we have the lineup that you know we're going to keep unless someone dies, and then it's like then then how are we going to replace that person? You know, that's going to take a lot of work because there's nobody we want. No, all right, your early influences then. My early influences, yeah. um, how early? How early do you want to go? I mean, I grew up as a kid listening to Elvis Presley and gospel records, you know. And, you know, and then when I got older, I got into, you know, greatest hits of the 70s and all that stuff. And I played piano for years. So I was really into, you know, anything to do with piano, Elton John and, and Billy Joel and stuff like that. But then when I started sing, when I started singing, you know, hardcore rock and roll, I was really into Dan McCafferty of Nazareth. He's my favorite singer, and you know, maybe on the next record, possibly on the next record, I've talked to him about doing a song with him, and he wants to do it, and we've got the song picked out, and if it works out, we'll do it. Great stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's great. Yeah, and what about you then, Slash? Um, well, I mean, I came up in basically, but when I first started playing, I'd say I started with the newer stuff and went backwards. I started out with like, Aerosmith and Cheap Trick being the two main ones in my, fir my first year, and then yeah. I went backwards. I went through, Jeff Beck was a big major influence, Zeppelin, Stones, you know, this is sort of all the same shit. You know, just pick up a book of rock history, you know, and anything back to the blues and anything, and then and then a bunch of stuff out of that, and all of it we've, you know, listened to and played. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's like really good that we wouldn't exactly listen to as a whole, but you pick shit out, you know, you pick anything stuff. Anything from Wham to Motorhead, you know, yeah. you can find good stuff, you know, you can find a lot of things you hate, but the trick is finding what's good in it. Yeah, sure, sure. Finding something good in anything you listen Th to. There is a tremendous variety in, in, in your music. I mean, I, I was just saying a little bit earlier that uh, I like the way you sort of introduced a bit of uh, 
well, Doc Holliday with a, well, almost Blackfoot, um, Molly Hatchet, into well, the very hardcore he a lot heavy of that, rock A lot of that comes from, um, I wasn't necessarily into it, but, you know, being from the Midwest, you get that shoved down your throat, okay? I mean, you get, you hear so much of Leonard Skinner and stuff that you begin to hate it. But then later on, when you're writing songs, that stuff starts coming back to you, you know? It's good boogie music, though, isn't oh, it? Yeah. It's got good rhythm, yeah, you know? Yeah. Ex yeah? Except for, ooh, that smell, I hate that smell. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me I of previous too. relationships. Hey, wait a minute, he might not have liked your smell too much, you never know. Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't sing about it. <laughs> How extensively have you toured in the United States of America? Because that's all you've been, is it, so far? All we haven't. Been? No? We haven't toured. We haven't. We started out, when we, when we got this lineup. We loaded all of ourselves up into, into a, a car with a U-Haul, seven of us in one car, and uh, drove up to, uh, we're headed to Seattle from, from L.A., you know, like 1,200 miles or something, and the car broke down 175 miles out of town, so we just grabbed the guitars and some clothes and we hitchhiked all the way there, played a few shows, came back to L.A., and just basically we've been playing the clubs there and setting up a you know, g getting on top of the scene there and working on the press and stuff and releasing, and we released our own independent EP distributed by Warner and uh, we put we put that out and basically we haven't really toured and so this is like our first tour. You know, coming over here and playing three shows this at the Marquis is, is our first the, time. This is basically the first leg of Guns N' Roses on the road. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. But I mean, you're very determined guys, though, aren't you? I mean, yeah. what I've read about you, I mean, well, you, you I mean, you, I mean <laughs> oh yeah, you get good press, you get bad press, and none of it matters because we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. You ain't going to stop yeah, us. Yeah, the band's never been one to do anything but go, you know, basically focus on playing. I mean, so. even when you're trying to get into clubs, no one wants you. They, they want, they, no one wants you to play. They don't want to pay you. They don't want to give you what you deserve. And basically, you just do it anyway until you get until what you want. You get enough respect to be, you know. You know, and then all of a sudden, everybody that was blowing you crap is all of a sudden your best friend. And, oh, they can't wait for you to play. Yeah, well, you're the one who owes me 250 bucks yes, in the last show. Cece um, from Poison came up to me the other day. Like, he was my, my, my last best friend in the whole world mm -hmm. and came up to me to shake my hand. And I told him to get the hell out of my face. <laughs> you know, like, all of a sudden, now he... Now, oh, and then he made a boys. comment. He goes, he goes, uh... You're just jealous, you know, and that's the, you know, that that shows how far the guy is that's off base because that's the last place anybody wants to be. We hate points. <laughs> it's interesting. I think it has its place. I think it has it its place. Does. I mean, it does. It's I mean, a good <laughs> place. I mean, you know, there's Health there's no there's it's it's some of the best teeny bop rock and roll out, you know. So that's really good, you know. That's cute. That's I don't nice. Know, the, that's the sweet. The Bay City Rollers were better. Yeah, the Bay City Rollers were much better. We're going back a long, long time. Man, I know, though, aren't we? Saying, you know, but the Bay City Rollers had good songs for what they did. You know, things are supposed to progress with time. Yeah. The, the, the boys, what, what I really like about Guns N' Roses, though, I mean, you, you, as I said previously, you're all individuals. I mean, you're, I mean, you look well, outrageous. I mean, sort of, totally sort of, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it's nothing really new. It's just something we've been doing, you know. Like, I'm wearing cowboy boots, and now sure. in, in L.A., everybody wears cowboy boots, you know. And it's like, and, and I look like I'm jumping on a bandwagon. But when I came to L.A. six years ago wearing cowboy boots, everybody said I just look like I just got off the boat. Now it's a fad, the cool you know? The thing is, since and we've been here, I haven't seen one person with cowboy boots. Yeah, I know. That's really nice. That's kind of nice. <laughs> You're going to have to make it with your host. Same way with Captain. New York. The only person was Carly Simon. Yeah. <laughs> Not much difference is between him and Carly Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the album. Okay, how did you get your deal with Gaffin in the first place, then? Right. Well, what we did is we uh, we shopped the tape around, and some other people were doing it for us, and they got it to Elektra, and 
And we thought, wait, and there was such an interest, we thought, wait a minute, well, if they got an interest, maybe someone else have some interest too. And we started getting around, and uh, there's, a, there's a guy in L.A., and there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's two of them, um, Joseph and Henry, they're DJs. And they run all these after-hours clubs and stuff and all the best dance clubs. They're the DJs at all these clubs. And they have a record store called Vinyl Fetish, which handles all the imports, especially from London and, and the rest of the world. And they introduced uh, our tape to uh, Tom Zutat of Geffen Records, who signed Motley Crue and Dokkanet when he was at Elektra. Sure, yeah. And um, he signed Tesla at, uh, at Geffen. And, you know, and they introduced our tape to him, and he came down to the show, and we started talking with him, and we also talked with you know every other label there was and we had all these other labels and we had everybody offering us this and that but Tom knew what to do with us and wanted a rock and roll band and none of the other labels really had it you know they liked it but they didn't know what to do with it and we went you know where we felt we were in the best hands and we got everything we wanted you know money wise anyway so someone else could have came up with more money but you know what what good is it to get a half a million dollars when they're going to just blow it and they don't know how to spend it right? Very very good company, Gaffin, aren't they? Yeah. Massive, very, yeah. Very good. Well, <laughs> very good. the major thing is is that is like with a lot of other people in this business, you know, the majority of this business, it's like, you know, it's real hard to find someone who understands rock and roll for what it really is. And when we met Tom, he was one of the persons that really understood what we were about. Whereas the other guys that wanted to sign us saw, you know, the big, you know, the full house and, and the enthusiasm towards the band. We figure, well, we can take a chance on this. If it doesn't happen, you know, you can always drop him in a year and, and write it off. You know what I mean? So it was more or less them trying to pick up on something that looked like it was viable, you know, financially. And Tom was just into it for the attitude. What's this I read in the press about you, Slush? Oh. Trying to pinch Cobalt Stargazer's uh, oh, girlfriend. She was decent looking. She was the first decent looking girl I saw when I got here. <laughs> that guy's a mean guy, isn't he? You, huh? yeah, do you know the guy from the. No, actually no he, knew, he knew me. I didn't know oh, yeah? him. What's the album called, for Stargazer? The album's called Appetite for Destruction. Who's produced it? Um, a guy named Mike Klink, and then it was mixed by um, Steve Thompson and Michael yeah. Barbiero, who produced the uh, latest Tesla record. Yes, yeah. Steve Thompson, great lad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They've done some Stone stuff, and they did the Harlem Shuffle and stuff like that. Who's Michael Clink work with that? Michael Clink did the uh, like live UFO records. He did. And he he did was some studio albums too. Yeah, and he worked a lot. He's uh, like Ron Nevison's main man and does a lot of stuff like that. And then we got him to um, you know engineer and produce our record. Of course, Ronnie's working on the or has just finished His working on the new Kiss album, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he did uh, Ozzy Osbourne's album before that, yeah. The Ultimate yeah. Sin. Yeah, he's, yeah. Not, he's, not, he's a he's a big guy. Yes, Clink is. is really, really good. He let us have a lot of freedom to do what we wanted to do. We were basically, um, in the production of this record, you know, we were there like every step of the way, every step of the way, even to the, uh, you know, when we went to mix it, you know, usually these people don't have anybody there. We went there with the mixing. We went there with the, uh, when they mastered it, we were there. And so, you're not, when you get this record, you know, maybe it's not as produced as well as, you know, something else you might hear that's done by the best people in the world, but that's because this is more real. This is us. This isn't somebody else doing it. This is it. us. It's what we put together. That's great. The band, you know? the band did. It's our work. We, we went on our own road and picked everybody we want to work with from day one. Why stop now? You know? That's right, yeah. yeah. We, we, deci we ciphered through, I mean, everybody. Everybody. Right, now obviously you're going to have to promote the album, which means getting out on the road again uh, proper. Well, well um, that's what we're supposed to be doing anyway. We're a live band more than anything. Yeah, right. We've, we found we've, we've ended up working with a lot of English people too. Our manager is English, Alan our Niven. Manager, our, our, our road manager, um, Colin, Colin Gardner, Gardner is, is uh, from Europe here. 
and you know we and the, the press person we're working with now Arlette here is you know we brought her from LA but you know she's, she's basically European, European you know. she's worked with Rato of course on the road she's in the UK so she knows mm-hmm. the, knows the and, scene and yeah. Geffen we work with a girl named Bryn Bridenthal but we have a lot of con- you know it's, it's, it's weird how we end up working with a lot of English people because English people seem not to they, they don't want to deal with any garbage no, you know they, they go straight for the heart That's I right. like that we're delighted to have you here we can get the album when? Um, the uh, 20th or 21st of July great yeah. And it'll be out here. And you'll be back touring again we'll in the UK when? We'll be back in September, um, like September uh, 13th, I believe it is. We'll be back um, doing England with Aerosmith. Great stuff. Six Good. or seven gigs with Aerosmith. And then we'll be going on a European tour with them. Brilliant. Well, look forward to seeing you when you come back. Should in the meantime, it's great talking to you now. Great All right. talking yeah. with you. There you go, another great nugget from back in the day, and the rest, as they say, is history. Thanks so much for listening, I hope you enjoyed it, and please visit the main website to check out more archive shows, our next generation shows, which feature new bands in the same mould as the ones we love, and of course the main monthly classic rock and metal podcast itself. Until next time, be good. Be good.